If you could do me a favor, let's all stand up for the reading of the word today. We're going to read from James chapter 1. And this book is interesting. This is written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being Jesus' half-brother? You know, just the pressure he might have felt growing up. And uh, at this time, the Jewish Christians were scattered around the Roman Empire. And so James wrote this letter to encourage them with all the stuff happening in their life. Everybody say stuff. With all the stuff happening in their lives. So this is how he starts off this book. And we're going to go to verse 4 and then jump to verse 12. And it says, this is a James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. And then this is how you start off a letter. Are you ready? Verse 2. Count it all a joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all a joy when you face trials of various kinds. For you do not, for, for you know that the testing of your faith. So, so he's equating that trials are actually a testing of your faith. And if you go through this test, this is what it does. It produces steadfastness. And then he said, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Jump down to verse 12. It says this, blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to him who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Don't blame God for this trial. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desires will, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives, birth, gives forth death. And then he says this, verse 16, do not be deceived, my fellow brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You're his first pick. He picked you first. And he, and he has a specific purpose for each and every one of you. And so we're in this series talking about joy. And very quickly, I just dove in and started talking about trials and tests. Ain't nobody want to hear anything about that. Talk about joy, but I'm hoping and praying that we can unlock joy even in the midst of trials. Amen? So loud and proud today, say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. As you're being seated, high five the person next to you. And give it up for the worship team one more time. We welcome Pastor Ashley to the family and... She's already been a huge blessing, and, and uh, we're going to continue celebrating her, but can I also just celebrate um, Efren and the worship lead team that held it down for so long, and uh, it's amazing. I just love seeing God just kind of orchestrate and put things together. Um, I'm telling you, it's a new season. I hope you brought your seatbelts, because it's going to be an adventurous ride. It is a new season. Look to the person next to you and say, it is a new season. Y'all need to, y'all gonna help me preach this today. Um, there are moments in every one of our lives where we look back and we laugh at some of the stuff we went through, right? And we, we say, it, it, it's funny now, 
but it wasn't funny back then. All right? So, so I need you to complete that sentence for me. So I'm going to say, it's funny now, but you say, but it wasn't funny then. All right? It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. And now I'm in my feels right now because I'm looking back at pictures of my son and as he's entering into a new season in his life. And I remember, I remember holding him up. And listen to me, your boy, your pastor, I can't stand bodily anything. Okay? I can't. So even as a dad, when I was changing Chase's diaper, I would like have like the makeshift ninja mask because I couldn't smell what was coming out of this funk of a human being, right? And, and I just, my wife knows, even to this day, I can't stand poop, I can't stand vomit, this is not me. I don't do, I'll do blood, I'll do that, but those things that come out either way, I don't do it, all right? So I remember holding my cute little chunky baby up in the air like this, you know what that sucker did? He threw up right in my mouth. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. And just reminiscing of them growing up. <laughs> this is a funny story where I remember sometimes when you're a pastor and you're busy, you try to squeeze in family vacations. So um, they flew us to do a church conference in Seattle. So we brought the boys with us, and, and the, if, you, if you're ever there, there's a, an easy ticket, $99, easy ticket to go from Seattle to L.A. So it's like, hey, we're going to bring the boys with us. It's going to be a work trip. We're going to squeeze out three days in the, most, in the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. Right? Parents, especially those with the strollers and everything like that, let me help you out. It is a great vacation, but there's always at least three meltdowns in the happiest place on earth. Always. And I remember our boys completely meltdown. At the time, Pokemon Go was a big deal back then, right? And I remember Chase, I'm just gonna put him on blast since he's gone tomorrow. So we were on the log flume and he saw a Pikachu, right? I'm not speaking in tongues, this is this thing. It's part of the game. And he saw it and then he couldn't, he couldn't get it on his phone. He couldn't get it on his phone. And this dude had a meltdown. And I'm like, dude, we're in the happiest place on earth. Who cares about a Pokemon? Get your behind on the ride and enjoy yourself. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. All of us have these moments in our lives. And I know in my life, I've experienced many trials and turbulence and transitions and um, as a pastor, like, you know, there's even, there was even a season where I went and I sought counseling for a really hard time in my life. And um, I remember I was living in Hoboken, New Jersey at the time, and I would go over to Manhattan and I met up with my counselor. And, my, and at the time, I don't know why, I was just dealing with some church wounds and church hurt. I didn't want to see a Christian counselor, so I picked a nice Jewish counselor in Manhattan. And I remember sitting across from this Jewish counselor and I, was, and I kept it a buck with him. I was just real with him and, and we, he was real with me. And I remember my issue was that I would start complaining about something and he would just sit in front of me. He would sit in front of me and he wouldn't say a word, but he would just put his hands out like this and go like this. And that was his cue for me to say, let go of control. Wouldn't say a word. And I remember just looking at him going, you know what, I wanna bless you with a brick every time you do that. <laughs> I'm pouring out my soul to you and you just, you'll just look at me, tilt his head and go. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. And I'll never forget, the biggest um, advice he gave me was this. He goes, and again, he knew that I was a person of faith and, and he says, hey, you know, 
that at the end of the day, you're going to be all right. You know that, right? And I said, yeah, I know that, but I don't feel that. And then he told me this. He goes, then this is what I want you to do. Jewish counselor in Manhattan said this. I want you to rehearse your breakthrough. It's not here yet. Rehearse your breakthrough. You know you're going to be all right. Start rehearsing your breakthrough. This is going to be over. There's going to be new seasons. There's going to be other problems in the future. You, you know this is not going to last forever. This feeling that you're feeling right now. You know this, right? Yeah, I do know this. Okay, then rehearse your breakthrough. And that, I, thanks, Doc. Never saw him again. No, I'm kidding. I saw him a couple of other times. But he taught me something that even in the midst of trials, we still have access to the blessings of God. Okay? We still have access to the blessings of God. So I, I've been talking and teaching about joy for the last several weeks. And, and, and this word joy that's constantly used in scripture is the word kara. And, and, and kara, we see it in a bunch of other places. And we see it in Acts 8 where, where it says that there was so much joy in that city, kara in that city. And this is described the, the widespread experience of what happened after Philip preached the gospel. This joy, this kara that is there. We see it in, in Romans 14, 17, where it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, I wish it was, but righteous and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That karah is found in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, fullness, karah, that word is listed as a fruit of the spirit. Nowhere is it, is it listed as an attachment to circumstances. It is always attached to something that is associated with God, which leads me to believe that since God is beyond my experiences, since God is outside of time and space, and we are his children, then I always have access to joy even in the midst of trials. So, believers, people who are working on your faith in God, I wanna teach you, here's the role of trials today in your life, okay? The role, you must understand that the role of trials is your spiritual growth. I don't see enough of y'all writing that down. That the role you gotta understand that the role of trials in your spiritual growth, you must understand the role of trials in your spiritual growth. It has a role, it plays a role, it does something. If you unlock the purpose of your trials, you'll be able to see through the trials and access your joy, okay? And that's, that's, the, that's what I need to tell you. I need to break down right now this paradox of finding joy even in the midst of hardship. Now, I want you to look through situations in order to find joy. That's what I'm gonna teach you. But before getting into any points, I need you to understand this, because sometimes as a pastor, been doing this for a couple decades, sometimes people will just walk away with their own version of the message, right? And I would just want to say this very clearly. You ready for this one? Trials are not joyful. We good? Okay. Because what well, Pastor Mike said, we need to skip a beat, you know, we need to skip around. Hallelujah, jump for joy when we're facing stuff. That's not what I said. Trials themselves are not joyful, all right? You're going to go through stuff, okay? And for us to change our perspective on God, even in the midst of trials, 
okay? This test, this trial that you're going through, let me help you out, it is not punishment. I'm gonna say it to this side. Whatever test and trial you're going through, it is not punishment. We are not punished for our sins. That's not what religion taught me. No, we're not punished for our sins. Sometimes we're punished by our sins. Okay? So if you're playing around with fire and you get burnt, don't say, well, God's punishing you. No, that is the byproduct of playing with fire. All right? But when you treat every trial as though it's punishment, stop. I need y'all to get this because we still sometimes act. When some bad things happen, we say, somebody up there must not like me. Right? And tests and trials are not punishment. If they are, then we have to apologize to Jesus. Because Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins. Wait, Pastor Mike, even the sins I haven't committed yet? Yes, even the sins you haven't committed yet. All right? I need to, I need to lock that down right now. The trials that you're going through, the trials that you're going through are not punishment. It's just the default of living in a fallen world because we messed it up. But it cannot be punishment because if not, we all have to apologize to Jesus. Are y'all getting this today? I need to be the first and foremost person to remind you that even in the midst of whatever trial you're going through, God still loves you. He loves you to pieces. So this punishment is not, and this trial is not punishment. And when he gives you a test, you ready for this one? He wants you to pass. I used to have this college professor in college. He was so prideful. He was just like, he was my Greek professor, right? And he would just sort of say, you know, no one's ever passed this exam before. Oh, that's a flex, right? I'm paying thousands of dollars to fail. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing right now, right? And he was this prideful professor in a Christian college. Sit, that with, that. Sit with that a little bit. He said, no one's ever passed this exam before, right? And he expected people just to fail. Your God is not a prideful professor. He wants you to pass every test that's in front of us. Can you thank God for that? He wants you to pass every test that's in front of us. And he gives us truth in order to pass the test. And it's that truth that not only lets us pass the test, it's that truth that the Bible says that will set us free. And so get comfortable with the, with the process of going through trials, because here's why. We will always find talented individuals. But I don't want talented individuals. I want anointed individuals. And what the word anointed means is that God's on that person. God's on that person. Honestly, talent will only get you so far. God will take you wherever he wants to take you. And I know that, you know, I've had some people come up to me, well, you know, I've, I've done this and I've done that. I have degrees and all that stuff is phenomenal and we applaud that and that is great. But me personally, I cannot trust someone who has yet been tested. And Christians, some of the times what we're doing is we try to live a life devoid of tests and devoid of trials. But I am telling you that that is where your anointing is refined. That, I'm telling you, don't trust anyone who has yet been tested. And I know when someone's been tested, they've gone through something and they 
still stood by the word and they still maintain their posture towards God, right? Those are the people that have been tested. If those people that are just like, you know, I just avoid problems at all costs, that's great and dandy. But I'm telling you right now that we're missing out on another level of anointing when it comes to whatever area you're talented in. If you constantly just reject trials or pretend like trials and tests aren't around you, but if you could, if you could just, just change your posture, change your posture towards the problems in front of you and say, this is an opportunity for me to grow. This is an opportunity for me to grow. Y'all getting this? All right. So here's a, a look. Here's a, here's a real look at finding joy in trials. You ready? Number one, who's taking notes? I always say you have to have a certain amount of notes to get to heaven. That is heresy. You don't. but it makes me feel good. Point number one, trials refine our theology. Trials refine our theology. What is theology? Theology is the study of God, your perspective of God. And nowadays more than ever, people are like, you have to have solid theology. I wanna go to a church that has solid theology. That's good. I I wanna go to that church too. Solid theology. First Peter 1, 6 to 7 says this. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Watch this. Though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Okay. Then it says still greatly rejoice. While you temporarily, just for a little while, suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. So watch this so that the proven genuineness of faith, you see that? The genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The genuineness of your faith, I think that's a a better term for theology. Some of you, like you say, you want a solid theology. That's great. But who cares if you have a solid theology and a poor reality? Come on. We we know, we know. Some of you, I'm I'm talking to the people who have been around church for, around the block for a little bit. You have good theology, but who cares if you have good theology if it's not affecting your reality? Who cares if you can memorize hymns and prayers and scriptures, but in the midst of a trial, you forget how to act? And very, very quick to preach to someone. But what, is, what are you preaching to yourself when you're going through the trial? I have found in my life, in my life, folks, trials refine my theology. Do I really believe that? Do I really believe that? Do I really believe in the grace of God? Do I? So then why do I have such a hard time releasing someone from the debt that they owe me? Do I really believe in the grace of God? Do I really believe that God heals? Then why why do I have such a hard time believing that he's going to come through for me? That's what trials do. They refine our theology. It's easy to preach. It's way harder to live. It's easy to say amen from the pews on a Sunday, right? It's way harder. Come on, you're like, man, I just love people and I love Jesus. I'm just so full of love leaving here on a Sunday, Pastor Mike. First thing on Monday morning, you want to choke slam somebody. What happened? 
what happened, right? It refines your theology. And especially when it deals with the mistrust that we have with people. Can I talk about it for a second? Because again, who cares if we have a solid theology if it's not really affecting our reality? When you have a problem with people, I know that when my trust in people is tested, my faith in God needs to be resurrected. Bars. <laughs> right? I know that there's sometimes I'm like, all right, uh, I don't trust this person. I'm having a hard time, God. That's when you, you got to then say, okay, how much do I trust God in this moment? So when you're we're trusting people is tested, your, your faith and your belief in God needs to be resurrected. Because that's, again, we have an opportunity in the midst of this trial to refine our theology. And I don't want to be a church that just has good theology. I want to be a church that walks it out in reality. Right? We know how to forgive because we've been forgiven. Come on, we, we, we know how to pray for people because we've been prayed for, right? We know how to preach love because we experience love, okay? Not just good theology, but also it matches with our good reality. This is why when the Bible says faith without works is dead, there's a lot of churches out there with good theology but still dead faith. So number one, your trials are refined with theology. Number two, Trials produce longevity. Trials help me build my endurance. Okay? I don't build my endurance sitting on the couch. Okay? I don't build my endurance by putting a spoon to my face. Okay? I build endurance when I go through the hard stuff. And I believe that trials produce longevity. Romans 5 through to four says this, not only so, but we also have glory in our suffering. Oh, isn't there sometimes you just want to throw a shoe at somebody when you read things that don't make sense? Glory in our suffering? Because we know that suffering, this is what it does, produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Come on. How do you find that? I want to be a person of good character. I want to be a person that's hopeful. How do you find that? In the very beginning, glory in our suffering. Come on now. <laughs> to find glory in your suffering. Trials produce longevity. It, it helps you learn how to hold on to the things that really matter when you're going through trials. I love this is, again, I can say it now, but in the moment, you're going to have to remind me. But, but looking back, I love when I went through some things and it, and, it, and it helped me to stay put. The practice of staying put is important. You don't survive and, and even thrive in a healthy marriage if you don't learn the practice of just staying put even when things get hard. We just sung, rain came, wind blew. But what happened? That house stayed right there. Why? Because we were planted on him. We were built on him. Some of you, 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 you're praying the storm away. I'm not praying for the storm. I'm praying to be built on the rock. The storms are going to keep coming. But as long as you're built on the rock, that builds that longevity to go through something. You figure out who your real friends are when you go through something. 
You figure out who the real disciples are around you when you go through something. Trials produce longevity. Number three, trials teach humility. This ain't feel good stuff, I know. <laughs> trials teach humility. Second Corinthians 12, seven to 10 says this. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, Hold on, stop right there. (laughs) If anything, if anything, don't trials just help just keep you level-headed, right? It just keeps you from being conceited. It reminds you that this is not all about you, boo. There's other people on planet Earth other than you when you're going through some trials. And so I love what Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he goes, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Watch this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak... Then I am strong. What is he talking about? I think, honestly, in his poetic way, he's just saying this, that we don't access the strength of God without humility. Because without humility, honestly, all I'm doing is I'm living on my strength and just attaching a Jesus bumper sticker on it. Right? I've done it. Right? Pulled, pulled something out of my butt. Preached a good message. No prayer, no nothing. And I walk away saying, God is good. God is so good. Right? But honestly, I did it in my own strength. And then later on, I feel like crap because I'm saying God is good, but God wasn't even a part of it. Then I have the audacity to say, hey, why wasn't people with me today? Because it wasn't of the spirit. That's why. Right? And that's what we do sometimes. Like Without true humility, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Even on your best day, apart from him, you can do nothing. And that's what trial does. It teaches us to be humble. Number four, trials lead to maturity. You can't go through a trial and not have the opportunity to grow in your maturity. I'm going to read again James chapter 1, but from a different version. It says, consider it. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whatever trial you're going through, here's what I want you to start practicing. Because there's a promise. You go through it. Don't just go through it. Grow through it. Don't just say that happened. Count your lessons. Don't count your losses. God, what are you teaching me right now? He's always teaching you something. He's a God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he might have taught you something yesterday. Guess what? He's teaching you something today. And we, he wants to mature you. So in this moment, I have to consider it. I have to choose joy in this moment. Because joy then unlocks my seat 
at the desk for me to be a student and for him to be the teacher. And when I go through this trial, with, again, in that posture, he matures me to what? So that I won't lack anything. I won't go through the issue of lacking something. And so if you feel like something is missing, maybe it's because we're not allowing God to mature us in the trial. Y'all picking what I'm laying down. And if you do this, here's the promise. If you do this, I promise you, everybody look at me real quick. I promise you that your greatest ministry, your greatest ministry is found in your deepest hurts. Your greatest ministry is found in your deepest hurts, in your deepest wounds. Everywhere that God put me through a trial or God allowed a trial in my life, the trial through my marriage, that is my greatest ministry. The trials that I went through churches, you know what? That is my greatest ministry. The trial that I went through, you know, growing up without a biological father, guess what? My greatest ministry is being a father to these boys. Your greatest ministry is found in your deepest wounds. If you don't believe me, ask Jesus. So when you're looking at this trial, I know it's hard, and sometimes you're going to forget, and this is why you have community to help remind you that just, hey, God's teaching you something. This sucks. I'm not asking you to deny reality. This sucks, but God is teaching you something, and your greatest ministry can be found in your deepest wounds. Y'all getting this? Number five, trials give us proximity. What do I mean by that? Proximity means how close you are to something. Here's the promise, two Psalms, back to back. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 119, 71 says this, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Say what? It was good for me to go through this because I learned something from you. And you learn something from God when you understand his proximity to you. He is near to those who are broken hearted. I'm not going to lie to you. On a good day, I forget that God's around. It's easy to forget about his presence when things are going swell. Is that what you white people say? Swell. I'm kidding. I love you white people. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. When things are going great, it's easy to forget about God, right? But all of a sudden, come on, you know this, right? In ministry, when do we find God? On the way to court, on the way to the hospital. Come on, right? That's when we find God. Why is that? Because inside, we're more alert of his presence when we do have a crushed spirit. We're more alert of his presence when we're brokenhearted. And the truth of the matter is, like, he is near to those who are brokenhearted. And it's not that all of a sudden he steps closer to you. He's always been there. But we are more aware of his presence. Again, another thing we sung this morning, make me aware of your presence. Make me aware of, you're here. He's been here. I love when worship leaders like, we invite you in here. He's like, um, this is my house. How are you inviting me to my house? 
right? No, he's here. We just need to become more aware of his presence. And in those trials, it reminds us of our proximity. Y'all getting this? Last one, worship team, you could come on up. Trials produce opportunity. Opportunity for what? More than anything else, opportunity for his strength to be revealed. For his strength to be revealed. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 9 says this. Pay attention to this. I know we got a bunch of worship ninjas coming out from behind me, but 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 9 says this. But we have this treasures in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Stop. Right now, whatever you're going through, it's hard. And it feels like it's coming from every angle. Am I right or wrong? You're hard-pressed from every side, but you're not crushed. It's perplexed. It's confusing, God, but you're not in despair. You're persecuted. It feels like everything's coming at me right now, God. But here's the promise, but not abandoned. You are struck down. Listen, you are struck down. I've taken some hits on the chin. I've had people stab me in the back. I've had people say negative, horrible things about me that were not true. I've been struck, but not destroyed. But not destroyed. Some of you need to look at your situation and go, yeah, but I'm still here. I'm still here. And just like my Jewish counselor said, I'm going to tell you, until it's in front of me, I'm going to rehearse my breakthrough. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to stand right now in his presence. Hey, before going into that last song, could we stop? Can you just play uh, that let us become more aware of your presence just on the keys? I want to sing that, and then I'm going to pray for you, all right? But I really believe that we just need the presence of God um, to be right in front of us, for us to be aware of his presence. So I want to sing this as a prayer, and then I'm going to pray for some people in the room. But before we sing that, I want you to, right now, whatever trial that's in front of you, what's the big trial that's in front of you? What's the big test that's in front of you right now. For some of you, maybe it's the new season in your life. You're like, yo, this is gonna be a big test. Maybe some of the college students, you're like, I don't know how this is all gonna work out, me being by myself. Or maybe parents, you're going through letting your kids go. Maybe you're pressed on every side financially. I believe the Holy Spirit's revealing to you, what's that trial? So I want you to present that trial to God right now. And then I'm going to pray for it. But before that, I want us to sing this prayer together. Let us become more aware of your presence.